Good morning. Welcome to Grace. My name is Derek, and uh, if we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm very excited because this morning we are beginning a brand new sermon series called Benefit of the Doubt. And doubt is the thing that we're going to be focusing on for the next three weeks. And, um, you know, when you hear that word doubt, what immediately comes to mind is something negative, especially when it relates to our faith and our belief in God. I'm just curious, want to get a little pulse check on the room with the Super Bowl happening this evening. How many of you guys in the room make some noise or show, shoot a hand up are rooting for this team right here? Okay, good number of Carolina fans in the house. Uh, how many of you guys are pulling for these guys? Okay. We are, we are Denver heavy. So, so you, guys, you guys are hoping that they let uh, Peyton Manning out of his wheelchair and um, out of the nursing home that, you know, for tonight's game, and hopefully he makes it through. That would be very exciting if he could do that. Now, now how many of you guys don't necessarily have a big interest in the game, but you're just mostly excited that this guy's not going to be playing in the game? Okay. I, I love the bitterness toward Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. As a Cincinnati Bengals fan, um, I just, the bitterness, it warms my heart. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really nice. And, and finally, uh, how many of you guys could care less about the game, but the food and the commercials? The food and the commercials. This is the one time a year you actually don't mind the commercials, in fact, you look forward to them. Okay, well, no matter who it is that you are rooting for tonight or what you're rooting for tonight, I want to I speak to those who do have a big rooting interest in the game. Because if you have a big rooting interest in the game, you would probably, at least initially, if I said, would you want your team to be doubting? Would you want your team to, be, uh, to, to have doubts or, you know, going into the Super Bowl prep preparation, would you want them to be doubting? You'd probably viscerally say, no, no, I want them to be supremely confident that they are absolutely going to annihilate the other team tonight in the Super Bowl. But if we stop and think about it for a minute, there is an element of doubt that's actually very beneficial. It's good. So think with me for a moment. These two teams, the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers, have had two weeks to prepare for tonight's game. But I would actually argue that if one of those teams was, actually had some doubts, as they were going into all their preparation, as they were going into their practice, would that not make them prepare that much harder? Would they not be that much more intense and focused over studying the film and the game plan and the plays and getting everything just ready? Would they not actually be practicing that much harder because how you practice on the field is then how you take it into the game? And so you can see that actually, if you're coming in and you've got some doubts and, and, you're, and you're humble, that actually might make you a better team and more prepared team for the big game. I would argue that there is a lot of our doubt that is actually a very healthy, a very beneficial thing, especially when it comes to our faith. And some of you, you've grown up in church, or maybe you've just been in church a little while, but you've never, ever heard that. You've never even thought that. How could, how could there be any benefit to doubt, especially when it comes to our faith? Well, let's think about it for a minute. So, 
When those doubts creep in, when, uh, when you have questions that arise that you can't necessarily get answered, when you struggle to understand certain things, or maybe life just isn't going the way that you'd plan, and, and the doubts come, if you don't just try and bury them or just flippantly dismiss them, you don't just kind of run away from them and try and avoid them, but if instead you take an honest look at those doubts and those struggles and those questions and you confront them head on, there's tremendous benefit to doing that. And here's what I mean. The times in my life where I've had the most doubts, the most questions, the most struggles, when I've pushed into those, you know what that makes me do? That makes me push into my faith. It makes me push into my relationship with God. And all of a sudden, my prayers are way more focused than they were before. All of a sudden, when I'm reading a passage, or even when I'm engaging in what you're doing right now, listening to a sermon, all of a sudden, I'm way more engaged in that. That actually helps me in my relationship with God. And times in my life where I've really done this and pushed in, I have found that actually by embracing doubts and pushing into those doubts, the benefit of those doubts is that I have come out stronger in my faith. It's actually reaffirmed my faith. And the other great benefit to our doubt is actually that if we can arrive at a place where we are still convinced of the truth, but we're also uh, convinced that it's mysterious, that there's questions that we're going to wrestle with, things that we're not going to be able to answer, it actually brings us to a place of confident humility. And if you think about it, the Bible, the, but one of the biggest values that the Bible upholds is that of humility. Right? I've heard it said this way, if the Bible could be summed up in one sentence, it's that there is a God and you are not him. <laughs> right? So being humble, it's, it's a beautiful trait. It's actually a godly trait and it makes us much more effective if we have people that we care about, that we want to share this amazing faith, this love of God with other people. Doing it in a humble way is a much, much more effective way for that to happen. So there is definitely benefit to our doubt, especially when it comes to faith. You may have heard that if you have doubt, then you don't have faith. You might have heard that the doubt means that you just you don't have any faith. But the reality is this. Doubt isn't the absence of faith. Doubt is an essential part of faith. Let me say that one more time. Doubt is not the absence of faith. It is an essential part of faith. So what we're going to do for these next three weeks, starting this morning, is we are going to take a look at some people who struggled mightily with doubt. Now, these are not uh, just any old people. These are very famous Christians. These are followers of Christ, okay? So if you've ever thought, oh, you know, if, if I doubt, I can't be a Christian, it is absolutely, there's, there's no biblical basis for that whatsoever, okay? Because these are three uh, believers in Jesus who are struggling mightily with their doubt. They're, all of these um, stories are captured in the accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're going we're gonna to see these famous Christians doubting, and then we're going to see how Jesus responded to them, and ultimately how he responds to us in our moments of doubt. So if you would, uh, let's, let's say a prayer, and then we'll jump in. Uh, God, we just want to say thank you for a chance to gather here and to focus um, on 
um, some people who really doubted you. God, there are many of us in this room who are struggling with doubt right now, or we've had periods where we've really doubted, or we have friends or loved ones who just struggle with doubt. And we pray, God, that there would be something in what we read today um, that would help us, uh, Jesus, there'd be something in the words that you share that would help us or help others as we deal with our doubts. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so the first person that we're going to look at today who struggled mightily with doubt is a man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, um, you may or may not heard of John the Baptist, but John the Baptist was a prophet. He was a contemporary of Jesus. And in fact, he was most famous because he was the prophet who was declaring that this awaited Messiah, this Savior that the nation of Israel had been waiting for, and there had been all these prophecies written, and they were expecting this Messiah to come, that actually the Messiah was here, and his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And so this is what John the Baptist was going around doing. He was basically telling everybody, prepare the way, because here comes the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. Now, in, in the midst of that message, he was also uh, very famous for saying, repent, repent, which basically means turn back to God, for the kingdom of God is near. John was a little bit of a wild man, and he had a huge mouth. He was, like any great prophet, not afraid to run that mouth and, uh, and boldly speak the truth anywhere that he went. Now, this was all well and good until, as some of you know, who might struggle with a little bit of a big mouth, okay? No elbows, please, if that person's sitting next to you. But um, you know that every now and then, that big mouth can get you in trouble. Well, one day, John the Baptist decided to, uh, to drop some truth on a guy named Herod Antipas. Now, Herod Antipas was one of the sons of King Herod the Great. This is a man with a tremendous amount of power. He actually um, ruled over Galilee. And Herod Antipas had actually stolen one of his brother's wives. And um, in doing so, John just merely was pointing out that that was absolutely not a good idea. It was a terrible thing to do. And John called out Herod on that move. And so Herod proceeded to do what any uh, threatened, intimidated, insecure ruler would do. He just simply had John the Baptist thrown in prison and um, wanted him executed. So that's kind of the backdrop for actually where we pick up this story here, uh, this account from uh, Matthew, who is the tax collector who came to follow Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all wrote accounts about Jesus' life. So we see what Matthew wrote in uh, the 11th chapter of his account. We start in verse 1. Now, I need to tell you that some time has gone by because John the Baptist was arrested just after the start of Jesus' ministry. And uh, now we're, we're some ways into Jesus' ministry. Lots of stuff has been happening. And so this is what it says in Matthew 11, verse 1. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Whether you've been reading the Bible your entire life or maybe you're just kind of getting introduced to it, I hope you can appreciate just how amazing it is that this is recorded in this biblical account right here. So just, just think with me for a second, okay? 
This is the John who's sending his disciples to ask this question. Are you the ones to come or should we expect someone else? This is the John who is going all around basically proclaiming as this great prophet, Jesus is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the one God sent. There's no one else to come. This is him, okay? This is also the John that baptized Jesus because he didn't want to necessarily, but Jesus said, no, no, you're going to. Okay, that's what you're going to do. I'm Jesus Christ. You're going to, you're going to baptize me. He said, okay. And it's, we read in uh, a little bit earlier in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Now, John was baptizing Jesus. It says, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So John the Baptist was there. He saw the Spirit of God descend upon Jesus, and he hears this voice. I mean, this is amazing, amazing stuff that John would have witnessed. And then finally, we see just a few verses later, Jesus is addressing the crowd talking about John the Baptist. Um, and, and this is what Jesus says about John the Baptist. He says in Matthew eleven eleven, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wow. This man has some serious credentials. Okay, this should make you feel better. If you have, have ever doubted, okay, you've ever been nervous about, you know, sharing the fact that you have struggles and questions and doubts about your faith, because this guy's resume is unbelievable, and what he has experienced is amazing, and here he is. Can you believe this is written in the Bible? This isn't glossed over, you know, it's not covered up, but it's basically, here he is, okay, and here he is saying, so uh, my disciples, can you ask him? Are you the one who's to come? Or should we expect someone else? So here's John, just racked with doubt. Racked with doubt. And the question is, why? What happened? Why, how is he in this place that he is? Well, I think it's fair to say the things haven't exactly gone the way John has hoped they would go in his life. Because we have to remember where John is right now. John is in prison, and he is actually waiting to be executed by um, Herod Antipas. What's interesting is uh, we, we read earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 4.12. It says that when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison... He immediately summoned a whole army of angels and they went and freed John. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, when he heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. John's in prison, Jesus withdraws. Now, I don't have a good answer for why Jesus withdrew. There are certain things about Jesus Christ, there are certain things about God that ultimately... Um, we don't have all the answers for. But it's fair to say that things were not going the way John 
had hoped. Everything was great as he's declaring that Jesus was this uh, savior, this Messiah, and he's getting these periodic reports, John is, from, from his disciples, those were, who were following after him, hearing about all the things that Jesus is doing and teaching and all these amazing things. But think about it. John is alone in that prison waiting to die. And so doubt just creeps in. And it causes him to ask this question because things haven't gone the way John had hoped. Things haven't gone the way he had expected them to go. Isn't this the same for us? When things don't turn out the way we hope? Like when, you know when you're praying for something? And I'm not talking about like, praying for your team to win the Super Bowl or praying for, you know, the Powerball numbers to hit or, you know, I'm not talking about those kind of prayers that deep down you, you're kind of like, I don't even know if God's really, you know, on board with this. I'm talking about, I'm talking about those, the prayers that you really feel are like noble and are in line with the will of God. You're praying those kind of prayers. We've prayed those before. There's like a little bit more confidence, a little bit more boldness behind those types of prayers. And you're praying a prayer like that. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and nothing, nothing. And doubt creeps into your mind and it says, does God really hear me? Is God really hearing my prayers? And maybe you have a a season, an extended period of your life where things just aren't going well. I mean, every day is a struggle. And doubt creeps in and says, you know, does God really care about me, about what's going on with me? Or maybe doubt even says, does God even exist at all? Or are you just talking to the wall here? Are you really praying to anybody? We have those moments of doubt in our lives too. And so here is John. He sends his disciples with this amazing question to ask him, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And it says that Jesus replied, I'm in verses four and five now. Jesus replied to those disciples, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know what I love about Jesus' response here? Jesus doesn't just say to those disciples, yeah, go tell John, yeah, I'm the one. He doesn't doesn't just do that. He gives them something substantive to take back to this man who is racked with doubt. And basically, his message to John is you need to think about what you all, you've already heard, what you've already seen, and what you already know. Because, see, here's the reality. John had already, we see this earlier in the Gospels, John had been getting periodic reports from his followers, his disciples, So he knew what Jesus was doing. He was hearing these things. He already knew. Jesus is basically saying, just revisit what you already have heard. 
Jesus is encouraging him to just think back to what he already knows. You see, what Jesus, as he's declaring these things that he's been doing, he's actually answering a prophetic um, verse in the Old Testament, in the, pro- through the prophet Isaiah, basically that the Messiah would do these very things. And now Jesus is reiterating, come on, John. You know, I'm doing these things. The one that the Messiah is supposed to be doing, these are the things I'm doing. I am fulfilling the scriptures and the prophecy. Come on, John, you already know this. And maybe he's even hearkening John back a little bit to review in his mind what he's already seen. That moment at the baptism when he saw the Spirit of God descend upon Jesus. And when he heard that voice from heaven, Basically, what Jesus is saying to John through those disciples is, listen, you got to rewind and press play on those moments in your life, those God moments when you're racked with doubt. And that's really Jesus' same instructions to us today when we struggle with doubt and question. We need to report back to ourselves what we've already heard, what we've already seen, what we already know. We have to hit rewind and press play on those God moments in our lives. Now, some of you have more of these than others, but what I'm talking about with these God moments is uh, things like when you've been praying for something or you've been totally desperate in the end of your rope and you have no other options, you have no, there's no other way this is going to work out. And then somehow, miraculously, because you just can't explain it logically, somehow it works out. Or, you know, there's just a series of things that happen that are far too coincidental to be coincidence. You know what I'm saying? They just, it, you just can't explain that many coincidences away. There's something greater. There's something bigger there. That's a, that's a God moment. Or times when you've just had this sense of God's voice, be it just a, a little whisper or be it you know, some sort of almost like a voice that you hear. And, and here's the times when I've known that this has been God. It, it's nothing that I ever wanted to think. It's like the complete opposite of what I wanted to do. But there's just this, all of a sudden this thing, it's like it's outside of me and, and I don't want to do it. In fact, I'm ticked that I heard it and I try and pretend like I didn't. But then when I do it, what happens? Oh man, there is something amazing that happens. There's a blessing that happens. There's peace that happens in the midst of it. And I want to encourage you to begin thinking about some of those moments in your own life. Or maybe it's a time when you've just really sensed the tangible presence of God. And there was, again, no real other way to explain it. For me, um, when I struggle with, with doubts, and I have my fair share of doubts and lots of questions, I kind of feel like I'm a natural, I'm either naturally curious or naturally skeptical, depending on what day, you know, what day it is. Um, and, and so when those, when those doubts rise up in me, um, I, I try and hit rewind and press play on some of those moments in, in my life that I can come back to and be like, okay, yeah, I, I, these, these things happened. You know, I revisit those things. And one of those moments, one of those God moments for me, uh, happened a number of years ago when I was living in Cincinnati and I was attending a church there uh, very much like Grace. I actually met in a, um, in a school 
and um, similar format in terms of uh, in terms of the style and, and how things were done there. And I, I just absolutely loved the church. I wasn't on staff there or anything. I just it was just a regular attendee of the church. And um, pretty much all of my friends at that, at that time in my life, uh, I didn't really have any Christian friends. But I just had a lot of uh, friends who didn't go to church or anything. And, um, and I had, but I had this one friend who, uh, he was a church-going guy, and he was coming in town. And so I was really excited because I'd been talking to him about my church and I was so proud of my church. and I love my church and, you know, I just wanted him to experience the church. And, um, and we would, he and I, you know, over the phone would get to talking about certain messages, certain sermons because they just, I, that was the thing I loved. The music was great at this church, but I just really loved uh, the, the sermons. And so they were always so relevant to my life. And so he was coming in town and I really wanted him to, to attend with me and we could, you know, go and we'd hear the sermon and then we'd get to have uh, brunch afterwards and, and get to talk about it. And I was just really looking forward to it. So we get into the service that particular day and, uh, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes is music and, and so we're doing the music thing. And then the, the pastor comes out at the point where he would be uh, normally giving the sermon and he says, I just want to let you guys know that we're doing something a little different today. Instead of a sermon, we are going to spend the entire hour focused on worshiping our God. And um, this is the point where, where some of you um, super highly religious people are going to lose some respect for me, okay? At that point, I was devastated. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. We can't do that. Like, I got a friend here, and we were going to unpack the whole message, and it was going to be great, and that's kind of what I come for. No disrespect to anyone who's on the music team here at Grace, but, you know, the, like, I, I was really wanting the message. And so I was, I was crestfallen. And, you know... I'm sitting there, you know, with my buddy, and just just think about this for a second, you know. Um, so now, for the next like 45 minutes, I get to stand next to another guy, and we get to like sing songs together. So you know, I just it, I don't know, it just didn't feel. Some of you are like, okay, this guy's not really a pastor, but anyway, um, it's fine, it's fine. Um, and I was like, oh, and. I got to tell you, and this is why this is important, because you need to know that I had no expectation. I wasn't excited about this. My only expectations were negative. I was like, this is going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. Uh, do I sing? Do I just kind of keep quiet? You know, do I, you know, how, how do we do this? Do we give like a chair of separation? Maybe that feels better. You know, what, what, how am I going to navigate this next, this next 45 minutes? I wasn't coming in thinking, this is going to be awesome. I am going to meet with God. Okay, follow me? So, for the next about 20 minutes of the service, the music's gone. It just felt uncomfortable for me, awkward. I'm just kind of like, okay, feel bad. I was t- talking up the message, and now it's not happening. And, and I really kind of had a sour attitude about it. And then as we're getting, you know, further in now, I don't know, we're maybe 45 minutes into this service, something started to happen. And what you need to know is, it wasn't that my f- very favorite Christian worship song came on, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one, you know? It, I don't remember any specifics from, from this service at all, okay? There was nothing memorable or moving about it in terms of what, what was on the agenda, or programmatically what was happening. But what I can tell you is that at a certain point, point as we really got far in to this time of worship, I just started to become acutely aware of God's presence. Acutely aware of God's presence. And as, as this, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if it was happening for everybody else, okay? But for me, 
it became something so amazing. I was consumed by just the power and the majesty and the awesomeness, and that's not even a word, but the awesomeness of God, okay? And the holiness of God. And at the same time, I was acutely aware of my own humanness, okay? I thought I was a pretty good person. It wasn't like I was like having all this guilt and shame and ridden with all my stuff I'd ever done wrong that I wasn't proud of. I just was so acutely aware of my humanness, that I'm not immortal, that I'm not perfect, right? That I'm just a human being. I'm far from the level of God. And at the same time, while I felt that, that sense of humanness, and kind of smallness in this amazing, awesome presence of God. I was just overwhelmed with one more thing about God, and that was God's incredible love for me. And you guys, that moment broke me in the coolest, most awesome way that that can happen. And if you heard me talk about my Titanic second date uh, meltdown sobbing story a couple few months ago, you are now going to think that, oh, Derek just cries. Like, he probably cries, like, everywhere, every minute. Okay, I think as an adult, I probably cried, like, I can count it on one hand, okay, in my adulthood, how many times I cried. I, I do not enjoy the process of crying necessarily, okay? I could not help it. It was this most incredible time of, like, just sitting in the presence of God consume with the presence of God. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. When I am facing my doubts, okay, when I'm having my John the Baptist prison time and things aren't going right or whatever is going on, I revisit, I rewind, and I press play on moments like that service with my buddy. I, I come back to times where I've just, I've had an experience with God or I've had something that I just can't explain away in a logical, natural sense. So, how about you? When you're faced with doubts, when you're faced with questions, when your faith just needs a little bolstering, where do you rewind to? What do you press play on? What are those moments for you, because it's really important that we, as Jesus said, report back on what we've seen and what we've heard. A few weeks ago, uh, if you were here, uh, John hand, had us hand out spiral notebooks to everybody. Many of you probably got one. And uh, he was just trying to make a point that, you know, consider writing down where you want to head in 2016 with God's help and start to write down things that, that you'd like to see happen, right, with God's help, and then, and then start to write down some answers. Start to write down where you've seen God move and how that's playing out. Now, we're not saying that you have to do that, okay? If that doesn't appeal to you, that's fine. But this is a great resource. It's a great opportunity to start to capture and remember those God moments so that then later you can rewind and press play when you're in the midst of difficult times. Now, I just want to let you know, if you're somebody and, and you're sitting there going, well, okay, re where would I rewind and press play to? Derek, I have no idea, okay? I'm not a writer. I don't like notebooks. I'm not going to write that down. My memory stinks. I don't, I, don't I don't have any powerful things like you have. I got nothing, all right? If that's you, I, I have a resource for you. 
And it's actually something that we're um, doing signups for right after the service this morning. At Grace, we call them community groups. Essentially what community groups are is they are just small groups of people from right here at this church who are just like you, who are struggling with the same things that you are and have questions and doubts, and it's a safe place where you can actually come and share those things. And when you do, you won't be you know, chided for them, but you'll actually have people saying, oh, I'm so glad you share that because I've been having the exact same struggle too. I've been having the exact same doubt too. In fact, that's really helpful for me. So they're a safe place where you can do that. And basically, you can, you can dig a little deeper, go a little further with a, with a sermon like this and have a conversation, have a discussion around it, go a little further with how that applies to your life. And that's cool. But here's the powerful thing. The powerful thing is that an element to these groups is that we take time to share what's going on in each other's lives. So what you've been thinking about, what's going on work or, you know, friends or family or whatever it is, things that you're hoping for, things that you're wanting, things that you're struggling with, whatever you, you feel comfortable sharing. And that's a time where the group just kind of goes around and does a little pulse check and, and captures some things so that then the group has some things to pray for. And as the group prays, as everybody prays for one another, um, things start to happen. Prayers start to get answered. And here's the cool part. Okay, you might have shared a prayer request in your community group meeting the week before and your week was so crazy and chaotic that you get into your community group the next week and you don't even realize that something really cool happened and you totally forgot about it. But you walk into your community group and someone turns to you and goes, hey, by the way, how did that visit go? Remember that you know, really dysfunctional friend you know, that you were, had coming? And, and how did that all go? Because remember, we prayed for that last week. Just want to let you know we were praying for you. And you, you're like, whoa. Holy, that was like the best, most functional visit like we've ever had. I can't, I totally forgot about that. That was amazing. Wow, like I wonder, and you start, you know, you start doing some connecting in your mind. And that's because you share that in community. Now, that might not happen that way for you necessarily. But here's the cool thing. You don't just have to be bolstered and strengthened by God answering requests in your spiritual life. But a lot of times what happens is you'll walk in and just as, you're, as the weeks and months go by and you start to hear the reports back and how prayers are being answered in the whole group, you can be so encouraged by that in your own relationship with God. It's awesome. So I just want to encourage you. If you are not connected in a group, if you do not have a sense of community, if you do not have people that you're getting together with regularly and sharing prayer requests with, okay, please, when we finish this service, which is happening in about four minutes, I just want you to, to head right through the lobby and just go straight and you'll see the sign up, all the sign up tables. The groups are all listed in uh, your program. You see an insert there with all the different group offerings. Just pick one. If you don't know which one to pick, just you know, close your eyes and just put your finger on one. And um, as long as they'll have you, like guys, you can't go to the women's groups and stuff like that, but you know, um, or you have to dress up real nicely. So um, anyway, uh, but just pick one because I'm telling you in those moments when you doubt, this is another way that you can, re you can recall things. You can, you can come back to God moments. You'll be able to hit rewind and press play. All right. So um, we're going to close with a word of prayer, but before we do that, um, I just want to tell you what's happening next week 
where we're going. Because next week is part two of this Benefit of the Doubt series. And I tell you, I am so, so excited for next week. It's actually the thing I'm most excited about of all the three weeks. Because next week, we will look at one of the most famous Christians ever and his doubt. Okay, And I got to tell you, just being totally real with you, um, there are times for me when my doubts are so strong and they're so just real to me that pressing rewind or hitting rewind and pressing play, that doesn't get rid of all the lingering doubt. Like it helps, it helps to reassure, yes, I come back to that, but I'm still left with a little, mm, I'm still a little unsettled. And Jesus' response to this, to this Christian next week, what Jesus says is absolutely vital if we are going to respond to our doubts. It's the thing that I come back to. And here's the crazy thing. If you're here and you consider yourself a skeptic, okay, you, you, you doubt, you question a lot of things, or maybe you, you know somebody who's really skeptical and doubts and, you know, I mean, they just have all sorts of stuff. Some baseline assumptions about Christianity, they're not even taking anything for granted, okay? I, I want you to consider um, coming back and bringing them next week because what we're gonna talk about, actually, the thing that helps me to come back and refute that doubt doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. So if you've got something like, oh, Bible, blah, 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 we're going to look at what Jesus says from the Bible, but then where we're going to go after that at trying to bolster and strengthen and make an argument for our faith, it's outside the Bible. So um, if that piques your interest, I hope to, to see you next week where we continue uh, part two of Benefit of the Doubt. Okay, um, so we're going we're gonna to bow our heads to pray. Before we do, I just want to let you know that if you're struggling with, with doubt, you just want someone to pray with you uh, to, to help you know, strengthen your faith a little bit, um, or maybe you know, you've got someone that you're praying for or just want a little extra firepower when it comes to prayer, we have our prayer team. They're going to be right along this, this brick wall here. They would love to pray for you after the service. If you're new here at Grace, we do something called Grace in Five, which will be happening right over there in that little bay area uh, right there. And, um, and I encourage you, if you're not in a group, please um, head straight out of here through the, audit- through the hallway and, uh, and sign up for a group today. You will be glad that you did. Let's pray. Uh, God, uh, we thank you that, um, that this church truly is a safe environment where we can be real and we can be honest about our doubts. Uh, God, we thank you that the Bible is, is in such living color that we see not just here, but we'll explore in the next couple of weeks, places that are so unbelievable that we can't really believe that they've been included and that they weren't just kind of removed by the people who wrote them. Such honest, raw doubt. Uh, We thank you because really what that means for us is that this is part of being human. This is part of our faith, an essential part of it. God, um, help us just to be real, Uh, with our doubts, not to dismiss them, but to push into them, push into you, push into the Bible. And um, God, just be with us as we we do that. God, strengthen us in our faith. Um, We thank you, and we just ask that you would remind us uh, right now and throughout this week of those moments that we cannot explain away, even in our deepest times of doubt those moments when you showed up, those moments when something special happened, those moments that are just too coincidental to be coincidence. Um, Bring those to our minds in our tough times, God, so that we may stay strong in our faith with you. In Christ's name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.